Okay. All right, let's start with prayer. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to share my heart and love. Please calm my nerves. Thank you for this opportunity to share my heart and love for your children. Let your Holy Spirit take control of me and speak through me. You know the needs of the people in this congregation. Use my words to speak to the people listening. Allow them to be motivated by your Holy Spirit. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Okay, bear with me. Sorry. Obviously, public speaking is uh, not a strong strength of mine. I'm used to teaching kids, not adults. Okay, so for those of you that don't know me, my name is Heather Kanoy. I am the children's ministry leader here at Sherwood Oaks. I am married to Matt, and I have three children. Uh, Mason is 16, and he's back on CG running the slides for me. (laughs) Cooper is 12, and Abby is seven. Actually, she'll be eight tomorrow. So happy birthday, Abby. Um, So I've been in this role for almost four years, and you may be wondering why the children's ministry leader is up here preaching. Um, Well, let me tell you. So for the last year, I was enrolled in a certificate program offered through INCM, which is the International Network of Children's Ministry, who partners with Bethel Seminary and offers a certificate that provides 125 hours of training to help me grow my leadership skills and deepen my biblical and theological knowledge to grow my ministry. So in order to complete the certificate, the students have to complete a final project that demonstrates the readings, interactions, and learnings impacted that impacted the student throughout the courses. So that leads me to why I'm here. This is my final project. Um, I was struggling with what to do for my project and One morning I was in the shower because that's where I seem to do my best thinking. And the idea came to me of giving a sermon. And I think it was God that put it there because there's no way I would offer (laughs) to do a sermon on my own. But he's always pushing me to get out of my comfort zone. And here I am. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in his book, Too Small to Ignore, Dr. Wes Stafford stresses the importance and value of children. So why is children's ministry so important? Research indicates that almost two-thirds of people who give their lives to Christ do so before the age of 18. So think of it this way. If you line up 20 Christians, 13 of them accepted Christ as their Savior while they were a child or youth. And research also tells us that if people have not accepted Christ by the age of 21, the probability that they ever will is only 23%. What this data shows us is that the time the children spend in children's ministry is critical to their spiritual journey. We, the church, only get a couple of hours each week with the children to speak love of Christ into their lives. There's 168 hours in a week, and we only get one or two of those hours. And kids have other opportunities to hear about Jesus and their families and friends and maybe school, but we need to use the time we have as a church to be the best influence on the kids of this congregation. The research is clear. The church of the next generation 
needs to be treated as the church of this generation. Their salvation depends upon it. God also sees the value in children. Scripture tells of many instances where God used children to fulfill his plan. Exodus 2, we see that Miriam, Moses' big sister, watched over him as he drifted down the the, uh, snake and crocodile-infested Nile River and even risked her own life to talk with the Egyptian princess that found him and suggested that... um, that she find a Hebrew woman who just happened to be Moses' mother to nurse the baby. First Samuel 17, we see the story of David and Goliath. And no one thought David, a shepherd boy full of faith in what his God could do, would be able to harm Goliath, a huge giant. But God used him to show the people that we should not put our faith in human strength, but in God's. John 6 tells of one little boy's generosity. This is one of my favorite children in the Bible moments. There was a huge crowd of 5,000 men, more if you count the women and children, who had gathered to listen to Jesus speak, and they were hungry. So I'm going to read out of John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, and the words will be up on the screen. You can follow along. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. The disciples had a typical adult response. There is no way we can do this. But Jesus had a different idea. He challenged the disciples to think of a way the boy, the uh, people could be fed right away. And Andrew said, here's a little boy with five barley loaves and two fish. And this was probably all the little boy had to eat that day. But when Jesus asked for it, the boy gave it to him. The Bible tells us Jesus took the bread, gave thanks to God, and fed the people until they were full. Jesus used the generosity of a little boy to perform a miracle and feed at least 5,000 people and had enough for leftovers. Amazing. Those are just a few examples. There are many more um, other young people that God used, like Joash, who became the godly king at the age of seven, Josiah, who ascended the same throne at eight, young Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who resisted the king's idol of gold and went into the fiery furnace. These examples are all from a long time ago. But what about today? Does God still use children to fulfill his plan? Absolutely, he does. Here are some examples of kids and teens from our church making a difference. So in April... 
we had spring cleaning at the church. I know many of you helped. And I hope you took notice of all the little helpers that we had. They walked around and picked up sticks and trash. They helped clean the windows. They pulled weeds from the flower beds. Make sure they're done. And then in January, our youth group went to TCTC, Tennessee Christian Teen Convention in Gatlinburg. And our youth leader, Brandon, shared a few examples of how they made a major impression on the community and the convention. First one, they were very nicely and graciously alerted a staff member to help find him as he was checking in. Um, they had two servers enjoy them so much. They were joking with the group, sharing their story, and one even paid for all their drinks because of how nice the students were. Multiple shop workers noted how great the students were while visiting their shops. Another example of our teens making an influence was at Winter Jam. The girl, the girl on the right is a college student. She was simply curious about the Euchre game they were playing. So they taught her the game, spent some time with her in line while sharing stories, and welcomed, to, welcomed her to sit with them and invited her to check out the merch tables with them. One of our sixth graders, well, she's in seventh grade now, Adria, she took the initiative and organized a See You at the Pole event at her elementary school. Um, here's the story in her words. It was a regular Wednesday night. I was at church along with the rest of my youth group and our youth leader, Brandon, told us that this coming Friday was National See You at the Pole Day. Brandon explained to us what See You at the Pole was. See You at the Pole is National Day where kids at their schools gather around the American flag just to pray. The next day, I went to school and asked our social worker if we were going to do it at our school. She said teachers aren't allowed to associate with it, but students can. That day, after school, I went to the principal's office to ask if I could do it this coming Friday, which was tomorrow. She was down with the idea. The only problem was we only had a couple of hours to get it planned and shared with the rest of the school. And by that time, we'd already started working on the posters, which didn't take us long, and we started printing them out. Remember, I was the only one doing this, and I had to tell three or four classes per each grade, K through six. We started by printing off 100 papers. I started off at the sixth grade classrooms, telling them about it, asking if they would like a paper, telling the time and information. I started working my, uh, whew, I started working my way down the grades, and by the time I got done with fourth grade, I was out of papers. Finished the rest of the school by the end of the day, handing out 274 papers in total. Next morning came, and I was totally freaking out. I saw how many people were standing in the lobby of the school, and it was many more than I had intended. I looked outside, and there was my pastor, which definitely kicked up the nerves even more, knowing my pastor was going to listen to me. I feel you, Adria. <laughs> he, could tell me, he could tell I was nervous, and so he said a little prayer for me before we got started. After that, I called everyone outside and had them be quiet. I said a quick devotional and asked for prayer requests, and then I said that people could pray in their heads, and when they felt there was enough time passed, I would pray out loud, which is what I did. After I prayed, people started going inside, and most of the adults congratulated me for doing it because they knew I was nervous. We all went back inside and finished our day like normal. If you ever feel like you're being called to work for God, step up. You can't make everyone else labor for something you want or need. Thank you, Adria. Um, and then Wednesday nights this past June, we held our Vacation Bible Experience, or VBX as we call it, and the teens helped us lead worship, 
craft, and games. They even were responsible for teaching the majority of the lessons, which is amazing. Um, I love their willingness to help with the kids, and the younger kids look up to them so much, and to see them lead during VBX, it just says so much to those kids and sets up an amazing example. So, and I could go on and on. The kids and teens in this church are amazing. I know most of those examples are from the teens, but those kids started out in children's ministry, and so I'm still going to share it. So children's ministry is so much more than childcare. The kids are doing more than just being watched so their parents can enjoy the worship service quietly. What we do on Sunday mornings is so much more than babysitting. What we teach during children's programming can be summed up by the Sherwood Kids mission. We partner with families and leading kids to develop a deep understanding of who God is and a love for others that reflects God's love for us. So let me give you an example from our youngest ministry, the nursery. At first glance, at first glance, the nursery ministry seems like it wouldn't need any curriculum provided for the children. It's just holding, rocking, and feeding babies. When I first started in this role, that's what the nursery was. There was no curriculum, no story, no craft, no God-centered activities for the children. Um, about a year ago, I added small Bibles with a sticker of Jesus placed on the inside of the pages. So the volunteers can have the kids pat the Bible while singing a song, and then they can find Jesus in the Bible. I thought it was a good, simple way to introduce babies and toddlers to the Bible and start learning that they can always find Jesus in their Bible. In her book, Joining Children on the Spiritual Journey, Catherine Stonehouse says, Babies arrive with the inherited tendency and ability to explore the world around them and try to make sense of it. They take in what they see, hear, and experience, organizing their perceptions of those sights, sounds, and circumstances to make, them, to make meaning from them. So with this simple activity, babies and toddlers are learning the basic truth that we can find Jesus in the Bible and God gave us the Bible. Um, a few months ago, I started providing a Bible story for the volunteers to read and a simple craft for the kids to do. Anna Maria Rizzuto, who published a study called The Birth of the Living God, a psychoanalytic study, believes that children first become conscious of God between two and three years of age. Childhood images of God, she asserts, are powerful and influence us throughout our lifetime. Like Rizzuto, I believe it's powerful for children to see and hear about God. This lays a foundation for their future spiritual beliefs. After providing the story and craft, the feedback I received was that it was nice to have something to talk to the kids about, and the kids loved doing the craft. The kids also enjoyed being read to and responded well to the volunteers reading the story to them. So Stonehouse also describes primal faith as a basic disposition to trust. Primal faith forms before children have language to describe it and before they are actually conscious of the worth and trust they feel. However, the influence of this first basic faith is critical, even though we have no memory of its forming. Although it does not determine the course of our later faith, it lays the foundation on which later faith would build or that would have to be rebuilt in later faith. Basic trust is the essential foundation for faith in God. If that basic trust does not form in infancy or is destroyed later in life, trust must be built or rebuilt before a person can come to a life-sustaining faith in God. 
basically what she's saying. So laying the foundation of faith in the nursery is essential for the future of faith in the, of the children. I believe having t- volunteers read a Bible story and share their faith with the children each week will lead to this primal faith being developed for the children in the ministry. So I have mentioned the children's ministry volunteers a couple of times. Um, These volunteers are the faces of my ministry. They have the most direct and consistent contact with the children and their families. They all work together in their unique roles to carry out the mission and uphold the values of Sherwood Kids. Realizing that the couple of hours they spend with the kids each week will have an internal impact in the lives of the kids and their families. I have a quote from Andy Stanley in my office that reminds me of this. It says, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. This quote reminds me, I may not see the fruits of my labor, but I'm planting seeds, and one day those seeds will grow and blossom into someone who does amazing things for the glory of God. If you are not serving somewhere in the church, I'd love to invite you to serve in children's ministry. As I've shared, these kids are amazing, and seeing them grow in their faith and knowing you had a part in that is an awesome feeling. There are many different roles that need to be filled each week. If you love holding babies, playing games, crafts, singing, come talk to me. I have a place for you. Many of my current volunteers will tell you that what they get out of serving is way more than what they put in. Every fifth Sunday, we invite the elementary age kids to attend worship worship service with their families, and today is one of those days. God tells us to include children in the assembly. Let's take a look at Deuteronomy 31, verses 12 and 13. Call them all together, men, women, children, and the foreigners living in your towns, so they may hear this book of instruction and learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully obey all the terms of these instructions. Do this so that your children will have not known these instructions, will hear them, and will learn to fear the Lord your God. In the book, Children Matter, written by Scotty May, Beth Postierski, Catherine Stonehouse, and Linda Kennell, they state, sometimes services of worship become so oriented toward the quality of performance, beautiful music, flawless liturgy, eloquent sermon, that the active participation of the congregation seems secondary. Yet, everything leaders do in worship should guide participants in experiencing and giving glory to God. Worship, therefore, needs to engage everyone present, including the youngest of children in active ways. Children's presence in the church in the church service represents the inclusion of all who want to worship, regardless of their ability to sit still or fully understand everything we are doing together. More than that, however, their presence challenges us to change our style of worship so everyone is a part. Worship should actively include the whole congregation. And we are called to be together to hear the word of God. And while it's important to have, it is important for kids to have developmentally appropriate teaching from the Bible, which is what we do in children's ministry, it is equally important for the kids to learn from their community as a whole and be included as part of what I like to call big church. They learn how to worship God by watching adults sing and praise God. They learn how to sit through a sermon and take notes and read along in the Bible. They see the value in attending church each week and the community it fosters between all of us. Kids need constant exposure to the word of God, not just on Sunday. Parents, we need to model that behavior so kids know what to do. I know it's tempting for us as parents to want our quiet time and be away from our children so we can focus on the Bible reading, and there's merit to that. 
but it's also beneficial for our children to see us read and study the Bible. If they see that we make it a priority, they are more likely to do the same as they grow older. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's take a look at Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Talk about God with your kids. When you're driving to practices and school and all the things we have going on, use that time to talk to your kids about God. Talk to them about what you learned in church. Talk about what you learned in church the, and what they learned in church. These conversations will help your children's spiritual journey. You may not see immediate returns from these conversations, but trust me, they will remember them. And they, when they are out in the world, they will remember what you talked about and use it to guide in their decisions. My goal here today was to shed light onto children's ministry and provide a better understanding of what and why I do what I do. And I hope that I have communicated how important children's ministry is, not only to the children, but to us adults as well. And I hope that I have inspired you to look at the kids running around the church a little differently and see the value they can provide to our church and to us. Let me close in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity. I pray that those who have heard my message are inspired to serve your church and further your kingdom. Be with us as we go out into the world and share your love with others. We love you, and in your name we pray, amen. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.